Welcome, everyone, to Anarchy in Spurs. I'm Nikki B here with Eric Heiler. How are you doing today, Eric? Uh, doing pretty good, pretty good. Pretty good. Locked up behind uh, closed doors. Not allowed to yeah. see people. You know, today <laughs> we're, we're being reminded how many people think that a bunch of women and children deserve to die because someone may have been a pedophile. May have been. May have been. Yes. Whether or not that's true, I still don't think that the kid... You know, the kid's reward for that is death right? in a fiery prison. But what are, what am I? So you can take that. We're recording this, I believe, on the, the end of the 51-day siege at Waco. So it's a, a somber yeah. day. And looking at some of the posts on some of my friends, or some of the comments on some of the posts, pretty rough reading. There's some really stupid fucking people out there. More than that, there's some evil people out there, the shit that they're willing to let sail. Yeah. Yeah, my personal favorite is seeing all the status remarks under the uh, FBI trophy uh, pictures. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, these aren't trophy pictures. They were, you know, the evidence. I was like, oh, these are obviously trophy pictures. Yeah, y- y- if there were evidence, the guys wouldn't be in the pictures. Yeah, posing with dead bodies, you know, burnt dead bodies. Did they need five pictures of different guys at the same yeah. scene? Like, none of that makes any sense, but whatever. No. No, not at all. But we're not here to talk about Waco. No. We are here to talk about The Expanse. And yes. And I, I messaged Eric today to say I just picked up book seven, and <laughs> uh, it's so hard to go back and talk about this old stuff, like being so far ahead now. Yeah. But in episode seven was a fun episode. It was Tilting at Windmills, I think it was called. Yeah. Which I thought was an actually a really interesting name for it, uh, which we'll get into a little bit later. It has to do with Holden, I believe. Yeah. Or do you, or do you think it has to do with Miller? Do you think you think it was decided that they're going to kind of do it for both of them that way? I think it was probably for both because I think they're they're they make a reference to Holden's past that makes sense with that, but then yeah. they make a reference to uh, like I feel like Miller is the one actually, quest. Yeah. yeah, yeah, his quest that he's on. So I think if I remember correctly, this this episode starts out where Miller's on the tube, yeah, trying to. Uh, Find something out. Or he's mumbling to himself like a crazy person who just lost their job and doesn't know what the hell life has in store for him. Because that's literally what just happened to him. Oh, <laughs> God. He, he's the second best I've ever seen do it. The best is actually Bobcat Goldthwait and Scrooged. Yes. <laughs> it's, the, it's the best guy who ever lost a job. But I, I, at the same time, like if, if I, maybe I'm misinterpreting this. Was he kind of was he practicing what the message that he wanted to send to Julie Mao's dad to kind of apologize for not finding out what happened that kind of sounds like how he was he was like kind of acting it out beforehand making sure that he was gonna say the right thing and then i think he a, yeah kind of tough to make out most of it well i think he kind of i think he realized halfway through that he couldn't do it and he had to continue his quest right and that's why he rerouted he's like fuck this i'm gonna keep going even though the feds still matter so miller is about to chase down and find out what the hell's going on here there's a bunch of interesting things that i, I thought that happened there you never think about like where you don't often think about like the ways in which things happen to people personally, and like the and you have to make those calls. You know, we think of them from the the you know how many murders go unsolved, and you know point out how the police malfeasance allowing things like that to happen. Right. But then you get a situation. I mean, like there are real world costs to that. Like people lose family and then never get any closure on that. Yeah. 
meanwhile, they're out, you know, doing things for corporate interests and, you know, and by uh, throwing drug dealers in jail and stuff. Yeah. You know, got to save those uh, profits for the pharmaceutical companies. Yeah. They got to make the money first. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought that was a really interesting thing to kind of point out. So from there, he goes, breaks into Julie Mao's apartment and steals a bunch of her jewelry and pawns it. Yeah. This is like a whole bunch of shit. <laughs> There's a lot of moral ambiguity when when you're Miller, apparently. Like, I think he is. I think at this point he still does assume that she's dead. Right. The thing that trip tips him off is he has one of his informants that gets a hold of him and says, "Hey, you called about Eros and this ship, and it never arrived, but a ship from that ship did, and it's yeah. still here and it hasn't moved. So maybe you want to come and see what's up." Yeah, racking up dock fees, as he says. Yeah, racking up dock fees. So we've got that situation. The next thing we have is, uh, I guess it would be the uh, which one's the A or B plot in this? Does it really make a difference? Because they're kind of I, you can tell that they're they're pushing us to a place where this is all going to come to a head, right? Because uh, at this episode, everyone's heading to Eros. That's the plan. Yeah, everyone's heading to the same place. So we're 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 back to. The Rocinante, they they're out on their ship. This is their first like thing, the first trip that they've had on it. And um, already they're 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 dealing with the bureaucracy of well, Mars has all of space under its thumb, and now we're gonna get stopped by Martian space, or yep. Martian you know, people. You know, do you have your papers? God, I fucking <laughs> how, how pertinent all this stuff is. Honestly, reading book seven, like I I've been doing the past weekend. Oh man, that one's really hard to watch or listen to now because. <laughs> it's yeah someday we'll get there it's yeah. it's it's just rough but yeah you know that whole do you have your papers thing which we're we're you know running up to in real life ourselves right now dealing with all the changes because of the couve yeah you know this people literally believe you shouldn't be able to do anything and could should be allowed to be stopped at any time to prove that you don't have the virus oh yeah yeah especially when you got bill gates out there you know demanding that everyone be microchipped to say that they're you know safe in air quotes yeah the problem with the they've done a really good job at poisoning the well on that, and it frustrates oh, me yeah. because a lot of people, a lot of people, want to make it out like he's a supervillain, <laughs> and I don't, th- I don't think that he is. Like I don't think that's the case. I think he's far worse than a supervillain because I believe I think he's a true believer. Yes, and and more than that, he's a true believer with an endless supply of money. Yeah, so he can kind like of Lex Luthor can't put hold a candle to him. Yeah, like he 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 absolutely believes it. And will do whatever he can to make sure that happens. He just right. happens to have a lot, a lot of money to do it. And it's not like everyone's like, well, I don't understand what his intent is. And it's like, what do you mean what his intent is? He's been very, very clear about this. Like, he thinks that we need to have fewer people on the planet. That's right. it. Yeah. This- and and for him, so like someone said the other day, it was, you know, was, you, when you look at it, you're just like, you imagine him sending those people off to the ovens going, if only they could know how beautiful their sacrifice is. Yeah, really. It's, it's frustrating. It's scary. Yeah. You know, you're, you're you're imprisoning the entirety of the world population and going, it's for your own good, you morons. Which, <laughs> coincidentally, is exactly what happens in the, the book seven of The Expanse, where basically a new group of people comes into town and says, we're taking over. Why won't you idiots just do what we tell you? It's for your own good. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. If you only knew, dot, dot, dot. Yes, if you could only see what we see and know how beautiful the future is, if you just do what we tell you. Yes. <laughs> if, if, if Your options are do what we tell you and live the beautiful life or die. 
Why would you choose yeah. the? Why would you not? Why would you choose death over this beautiful thing that we're trying to give you? You're all stupid. Yeah, it's that pesky oppositional defiance disorder. <laughs> well, and and that's in the one thing that it does in that book that I absolutely love is that it actually kind of looks at it, he it, it approaches it from that guy. You have a this bureaucrat in the system who just doesn't understand why freedom is so important to these people if it doesn't do anything good for them. Like, we're going to give you a, a perfect society when this is all done. You just have to give us your, you know, give us your will. Yeah. That's not that much to give up. What? How, that's not even an important thing. Choose life. Yeah, bend the knee. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, it's a, oof, God, man, light that one up. So they're on their first trip here. We're in a get-your-paper scenario, mostly because, oh, wait, there's a stowaway. Yeah. Somebody has snuck on board. Yes. And over the course of this episode, they, they find him. Amos tries to kill him. Yeah. Because Amos is really, really itching to kill somebody at this point. Yeah, he's uh, got an itchy trigger finger. I mean, this episode has a has a scene where he's got a gun to the door ready to blast some Martians walking through indiscriminately. Yeah. Just because they're a loose end, as he would put it. Right. As Holden has a gun to his head. <laughs> who gives him a speech about killing innocents and like that that was like one of the more meaty yeah items i found in the show was just that whole exchange because i look at amos in that situation as being basically what i think he is how every neocon justifies what they're going to do yeah the, there's this problem in my way and i have to knock it down and doesn't matter if there's anybody standing next to it or whatever is going to happen next and it, and it carried with it that same thing that they'll always blame libertarians on. Well, this is why libertarians aren't ever successful because you're you're willing to live by your principles, and the enemy doesn't live by the principles. So you'd all die if you didn't. Yeah. And that's how Amos is approaching all this. Like he's going to kill these people because they're not going to give them the chance to figure out what's going on. So it's best to kill them, save yourself, and live to fight another day, so to speak. Right. And Holden's like, look, you can't kill innocent people. Like, there's, you, you, you don't have a way to justify that. That's the issue. Like, yeah. these people did nothing, so killing them is blood on your hands. And I wish I could remember specifically the line, but Amos is just like, it's just, it's just like, you know, you people, you want to be heroes, but you don't want to deal with the hero shit. Yeah. <laughs> Something to that effect. Yeah, we use that line all the time. You know, it's like everybody wants to be an anarchist until it's time to do anarchist shit. And then, yeah. Then everyone just kind of shies away a little bit. Well, I want to do anarchist shit as long as it doesn't mean my kid gets to sent to live in an orphanage or whatever the fuck it is. That's true. That's always that's always my big out. It's like, look, guys, yeah, I, I want to oppose the state and I will do everything I can, but I'm my kid kind of it's not doing her any favors to send her off to the foster care system. Definitely, as I, as I'm sure Eric knows all about. Yes, <laughs> I feel my uh, my two kids that I adopted are you know got got really lucky. That's just my opinion, though. As you say, do you, do you feel do you feel do you feel like the system treated them all that well in any of this? Oh no, oh no, no, no. no. So um, I'm trying to think. What are some other good stuff that happens in this episode? Um, Havasarala actually goes back and talks to Holden's family. Yep. Which is interesting because his family situation itself is just interesting. Like they had what eight? He has eight parents. Yeah, eight parents, all different. Their, of their different DNA was put into him, and as Havasarala makes the claim that, you know, they were just trying to get some kind of uh, land rights because of that through him. I, I'm not exactly sure how that system worked out, but uh, it'd be kind of interesting. I guess they probably go into the detail in that in the books. Well, what's actually interesting, she, the, the woman doesn't actually kind of disagree with her and kind of... Uh, yeah. 
when they're actually getting into the meat of the conversation, kind of says that is what it was about. Right. His family had raised him from birth to be a protector for the land. Right. Like they, they, they taught him how to do all of the revolutionary shit that they were doing and how to be revolutionaries. And this is this is actually a really good question for, you know, all of us anarchist types is that, you know, we, we raise our kids to the best of our ability and give them the tools. But do we do too much to force them down the path where we are? True. Do we try and make them too much like us and and justify it by the same means that the uh, that <laughs> that generally is? Look, if you could just see how beautiful the world is when you see it through my eyes. <laughs> right. You know, do we give them the choice? Or we just say we do it to try and protect them, yeah. And and ultimately, what ended up happening with Holden Holden in this past is that like in a, he was eighteen, and his his mo- his mom, the woman who actually like did the actual birthing, said, "Look, go, get as far away from here here because because in her eyes, she'd she'd given the kid a quest that he could never win, right? Which they make a a reference to in Cervantes, right?" And then that, because that the, the Cervantes is uh, Don Quixote, right? Yeah, Don Quixote of La Mancha. Yeah, Man of La Mancha. They, they make a reference. It's like James always thought that the it was a beautiful story. Yeah, and 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 she's like, I didn't have the heart to tell him it was a tragedy. And Holden definitely, as the story progresses, does really kind of em- emblemize Don Quixote in the sense that like it's all he's always fighting some new monster. Right. As the story goes, there's always, there's never, he always has to do the right thing, and he always, you know, attacks it head on. It's a TV show, so he makes out good <laughs> at right. all times. You know, it <laughs> it always works out for him somehow. But that's definitely his character. It's just trying to do good by everyone. So back on the ship, one of the things we have is though they've got a stowaway who's been with them since Tycho. Yeah, and we know that that stowaway is there through the dialogue because of uh, what is it he, he's been sent there by Havasaralas people over at the UN not right. specifically her but that guy who she reports to yeah he was the uh the guy was like uh well we're gonna take Holden off of the board but that's gonna come a little bit later but then he kind of realizes like oh that's where the stowaway came from yeah he's a UN spy yeah he's a spy and you know Amos Wants to kill him anyways. Even before yeah. he knows he's a spy. So there's that. That's kind of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Came pretty darn close too because he smacked his face mask into the wall a couple of times until it breached it. Oh yeah, he. he... I love Amos. <laughs> Which, by the way, is really fun in book seven because he's old, like they're all old now. <laughs> and oh. <laughs> old and old old Amos is more fun. Just something about it. So let's see here. I'm trying to think specifically about all the stuff going on. There's a certain Something interesting about that last scene where Miller is actually off headed to Eros and just it's a, such a sad, depressing scene, like the people that are headed to this place. And when, you know, when he's being forced yeah. to say goodbye to cutie cop lady earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, she calls it specifically. That's a garbage dump. Why would you go there? Yeah, You're not seeing the sights. It's, it's a trash heap. <laughs> yeah. I like her character, although, you know, I think her character does well to represent that not all the whole not all cops are bad thing. Yeah. Because, you know, she definitely seems like she's on Miller's side and is maybe keeping her her nose down so she doesn't have to suffer the same fate he does. Right. But is willing to believe him that something's rotten in the state of Denmark, you know? Yeah. And 
I don't know. What are your, what are your thoughts like on a character like that? Are they there just to, so we don't hate outright? Yeah. You got to have that, you know, the, the alleged good apple in there. And I, she's definitely that character is the, the good apple. She kind of cares about Miller. Doesn't want to see him get hurt or get into trouble. So she comes and checks on him. Yeah. Even Miller's not a good apple. <laughs> yeah, no, he's not a good apple either. He's a, like, he's taken up this cause and has like some sense of justice in it, but you yeah, know, I, Kind of view Miller as like chaotic neutral, you know. He's- oh, so there was also that scene where he actually went and hunted and went and found uh, what's his name? Dawes. Yeah, he went and found Dawes. Yeah, and he's kind of in this situation where I think he accuses like, where Dawes says, "You don't understand. I've been rooting for you from the beginning until you were, you know." I, I get the impression that we realize Dawes isn't behind what happened, and I think that's yeah. the first time Miller kind of gets an inkling of that. Yeah, like he can hate Dawes for all the reasons he does, but not for that. Yeah, and then even Miller says, you know, while I was in the airlock, I was thinking about what you had said, and he goes, hmm, you thought about me well just before you were going to die. That's interesting. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, out of all the things that you can think about, like that's that's what you have in your life is that all you have is this consuming hatred for me. Yeah. Like you, there's, there's nothing else that you should have been more worried about, no family, no friends, nothing. Yeah. that That's really what this is all about. You need to get something in your life. Yeah, <laughs> really. Like, not even Lady Cop. We weren't even thinking about her when you're about to die. And they did kind of set up the, like, uh, bad timing thing. Because I think, like, there was a moment where she's like, look, I I love you and I don't want you to die. And I feel like that's where you're headed. And he's like, yeah, but right. this is where I'm headed. And, you know, he's holding the necklace that he won't give up. Yeah. I think it was kind of saying, oh, well, you know, <laughs> maybe in another life we could have been a thing. But now I need to follow this because I'm in love with this girl. Yeah. Yeah, he kept that one uh, bracelet or necklace or whatever it was to himself. He goes, no, that's not for sale. It's like, I mean, you took everything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's like I said, it's an, it's an interesting story. I was very interested in the way Havasrala handled the, the going to visit the mill or not Miller's, um, Holden's family. Yeah. Because the entire time they're like, you get the impression that they're terrified of her going there because they see them as being political dissonance. Yeah. And you can see how perhaps a less scrupulous person or a person with a different need might have done things differently. Because, you know, when she goes in there, she's very clearly, you know, they're doing the, oh, well, we don't want to hear any of your bullshit. Yeah. And so they're both kind of painting a line of bullshit for each other. Yeah. And she points out very clearly, look, if I wanted to fucking blame all this, I could have you wiped off the map. I could say that you're a terrorist cell that raised the terrorist son, and now he's out there killing people, fell in with OPA because of how you raised him and all that. Yeah. Um, and technically, she would be right because those events did transpire. It's just how you're spinning it. Exactly. Like, the motivations aren't exactly what that story would tell you, but right, all the pieces look the same in the chessboard. It doesn't matter where they were headed when the game ends, you know? Yeah, exactly. But there is, like, at least you get the impression that she takes the law seriously. Yeah. Like, she's willing to play games, but it is meaningful to her. Because, you know, there this is a situation where it's a generational land deed is what, what's going on and why they have that land. And why they basically live like fucking farmers. And she kind of looks at them like, you fucking Amish pieces of shit. Why would you choose this fucking life over a piece of land? Right. That being said, but we all know how how expensive land is in this this world where drastic overpopulation. And yeah, you get the impression is like she's heading down there that 
it's not a normal thing to go anywhere. Although, did you find it funny that like she's just traipsing through the fucking middle of nowhere to this cabin in the woods and like her crazy gowns? Yeah. I do love her character for, like, the outfits, if nothing else. It was kind of a sight. I mean, she's walking through, you know, a good foot of snow in this red sari and cloak and everything. You're like, oh, it's like, okay, you stick out like a sore thumb. Yeah, she's standing in the middle of, like, a big fuck. Hey, we're going to send you into Siberia wearing a dress. Yeah. With a, with a, with a little red riding hood on it. Yeah, notably, noticeably, uh, the uh, security details, like, freaking out. Uh you know, checking in with her and she goes, no, I haven't been murdered in the last 30 seconds since the last time you checked, you know, I if I see if, if I see a fucking chopper or anyone on the ground, you're going to be living on basic yeah. by the end of the month. Right. Which have, have we talked about basic at all in the series yet? I kind of imagine it's uh, got to be some kind of UN imposed UBI type of thing. No, I mean, that, that, that's exactly what that's exactly what it was. I wasn't I wasn't sure if it'd come up over the course of the, the show yet. I know that it, it becomes a big deal later on when a character who's not even in the show yet visits the, the UN much later. I think yeah. that might be season three even. But yeah, so if you if you weren't aware all of the earth that's like if you don't have basically if you don't work in the government you can't just have what's considered basic which is universal basic income yeah and it's not much you get the impression that dude i keep coming back to like i really want to talk to the guys who write this because <laughs> i don't think that they fall on our side necessarily but like they're definitely really really well educated yeah on a lot of this stuff because they point out that, like, yeah, the people have something, but it doesn't cover anything. Like, yeah, yeah you, no matter what, what you make basic, the bottom line is that just becomes poor. Yeah. Oh, and even in the uber socialist state, there are still classes, which is kind of defeats the purpose of the socialism, right? <laughs> I guess. <Yeah. laughs> Unless that was your goal with the socialism from the get-go. Right. Which I, I guess, if you follow it to the Marxist, isn't, isn't that the goal of it? I mean, some people are going to lead because that's what they're from each ability to according to their need yeah. like that whole thing yep some animals are more equal than others yeah <laughs> which i fundamentally do believe some people just are are better at existing for whatever reasons <laughs> my my liz just listened to uh atlas shrugged this week oh <laughs> so so we've, we've been having some conversations about that i think she's i think she's just finishing the fountainhead now too she's like i thought i read more of that book than i did apparently <laughs> Uh, she's got a uh, a one up on me already because I haven't read a single thing from Ayn Rand. So, oh, dude, you're totally missing out. <laughs> they're, they're great. I mean, dude, if nothing else, and you may have actually listened to this, uh, look up the 20th Century Motor Company speech, mm -hmm. and it's like 20 or 30 minutes long, but it lays out the history of essentially what living by that philosophy did to a specific company within the story, and it's a. Uh, it's pretty fucking dark, but it, it, it goes over the psychological changes that happen in people going from like a capitalist scenario to a communist scenario from each according to, you know, and he's like eventually just becomes the only way to get anything is to have more need than somebody else. And so we're all it's just a race to the bottom to see who can need more. Right. And how to justify it. And nobody wants to work harder because it's just a way for somebody else to take more from you. But it's it's a very well 
written out, which is funny because the whole thing it's it's dialogue. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> it's literally this guy explaining to one of the main characters. He's just telling her a story about this job that he used to have. Um, and in particular, it, it it's all about the character John Galt. And the whole story starts out as like, he's like, gotta hear it. And who is John Galt is basically like the, the story is equivalent of what does it all mean? Right. And anytime you, when you hear it, it's like, God, what, what, what is it? What is any of this for? And, and he's like, well, I, He's like, worst of that, I think I might actually be responsible for who that is. Yeah. And you get to the end of the story and you find out John Galt was this, the one guy that didn't want to have any part of it and walked away. <laughs> he won by not playing the game, uh, essentially. Um, I don't know about that. He, he's kind of, it's a more complicated story than that. But, but man, John Galt as a character is, he's maybe, he's kind of, maybe kind of a shitty person, but he's also like that part of human drive that's just will take on anything. Right. And overcome anything because it needs to be done. Great character. But this is not about uh, Ayn Rand here, folks. We can start a whole new series about that. <laughs> is there anything else that I'm missing? Because like I said, I just watched it. I just didn't take notes today. It just kind of was free, free falling. No, this one was just, like you said, was kind of like the uh, the A and the B storyline kind of coming together because they're all going to meet up on Eros. Miller had just gotten fired, so he just literally breaks into Julie Mao's apartment, steals a bunch of shit to pay for his uh, ticket to Eros. Um, and that's where the episode ends is him and all the sad sacks on that transport ship. It is so depressing. It, it, was not, it didn't look like it was like, oh, hey, we're all going to Eros. This is going to be neat. <laughs> you can yeah. tell like there was people on there was like, oh, this job sucks. They're shipping me over to Eros. I can't believe this. Yeah. And then Miller's there just, you know, messing around with uh, Julie Mao's bracelet. And even he doesn't look yeah. yeah, even he doesn't look like he's happy to go, but he yeah. looks like this is the next step in a, in a it looks like the next step in a mission that he doesn't know or understand at this point. Right. He just decided to do this and uh, that's where he's what that's where it's taking him next. Yep. You want to go and I guess do the the details on it? Yeah, uh, like I said at the beginning, this uh, episode was titled Windmills, uh, directed by Bill Johnson, and uh, this episode was written by Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank. This one came out January 19th, 2016, and had a .5 uh, ratings, which was uh, kind of taking a little dip from the last episode. So, Oh, I, I did want to point out one last thing. I just remembered it. So, Hava Sarala and that asshole that she deals with. Yeah. And that guy always plays a dickhead. I don't know him from anything else, but <laughs> yeah, you, you, we don't even know how big a dickhead he is in this whole story yet. Yeah. Because he is a big dickhead. But did you see, like, there's the ways in which he, the games that they're even playing with each other. Yeah. Really kind of bothered me. And it's it's another example. And this is the one thing that throughout the series I think that they always get is they never let us forget that the people in government are human. Yeah. And they're really, every episode it almost feels like they're hammering something home. We're like, no, this is all personal. Like, this dude's yeah. just trying to save his job, and so he doesn't care if it's the truth as long as it works out and they get to tell the right story when it's all said and done. Right. And I, I definitely feel like that's something that, like, I'm, you know, all the way into book seven, that's something that they really, really hammer home is that all of this stuff is always enacted by people. Yeah. And the, and the reason it's flawed is because it's always people. Yeah, because the human that's doing it is also flawed and its own unique character. So I I wonder if like I could actually get get a hold of the authors for this. <laughs> I guess you could find an email, send out an email. It's like, hey, by the way, we're doing a podcast about this show. <laughs> uh, well, and it's like the thing that's I I, I don't know. I've don't, I've never seen many other people talk specifically about the politics of it, and it's clearly like yeah, everything the show is about is the politics. 
Yeah. So, like everyone else kind of really looks at it as like an adventure story. And it is. Yeah. But man, the setting and all the important bits all focus on just the shit that is people interacting and allowing governments to. One of the things that I really liked about this newest book seven is that they're, they're really kind of getting at that. In particular, that what's the difference between a company and a government? And uh, I will say, yeah, there's a cer- certain ways in which it kind of made me a little uncomfortable with some of the ways I would normally look at these things because it really blurs the lines between like when somebody, something is a big company and something is a government where, where do they become different things really? Yeah. So something to look forward to folks. Yep. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think that's all we got for today. Anything else? Uh, nope. Uh, I think that's it. We'll uh, come back next week with uh, episode eight and, uh, Go on from there, and then this season will be wrapped up in a few episodes. So, as I say, how many more episodes do we even have in this season? Uh, just the, it's 10 episodes, so we'll have eight, nine, and 10 coming up. Oh, wow! Man, where the hell does this season even end then? <laughs> I'm trying to remember where the season goes to. Uh, it's the there, there was some things that happened, and uh, some people got hurt. And uh, how far, how, how far have you gotten so far in the series? Uh, I'm still like in the early like season two. And they met the Marine okay. and everything, but... Uh, you just let us catch up? Yeah, I let my prime lapse, and so now I've got that back, and so it's... Uh, <laughs> I'm oh, trying okay. to go back and catch up, so... So, all right, bud. Well, you have yourself a good one, and to all you folks, see you next week. Yep. Later. Later.